Welcome to Wealthy Behavior, talking money and wealth with Heritage Financial, the podcast that digs into the topics, strategies, and behaviors that help busy and successful people build and protect their personal wealth. I'm your host, Sammy Azuz, the president and CEO of Heritage Financial, a Boston-based wealth management firm working with high net worth families across the country for longer than 25 years. Now let's talk about the wealthy behaviors that are key to a rich life. On this episode of the podcast, we're talking about debt and the new rules of debt given higher interest rates. In my book, Beyond the Basics, Maximizing, Allocating, or Protecting Your Capital, I encourage individuals to use all of the available resources of capital to build their wealth, just like a corporation would to grow its value. And one of those sources is debt, which is probably the most misunderstood and misused source of capital out there. It can be underutilized, overutilized. Some people fear it, some avoid it. And while we had this low interest rate environment that ended earlier this year for a while, it did make sense to increase your use of debt if you had productive uses for that borrowing and could afford the payments. But now rates are significantly higher. The prime rate, which is the interest rate that banks use as a basis to set rates for different types of loans, credit cards, and lines of credit, for example, is now eight and a quarter from a low of three and a quarter. Mortgage rates that could have been in the twos and threes are now touching or exceeding 7% at times. So your views of debt should change. Your views of debt usage should change. And how that should be is going to be the focus of our conversation today. Joining me is our Chief Planning Officer, Ed Jastrom, to discuss this and more. Welcome back to Wealthy Behavior, Ed. Thank you, Sammy. I'm glad to be talking with you about this topic. I think it's both timely and really important for our clients, whether you have debt today or not. Because like you said, there can be opportunistic reasons to use it. So whether it's something about someone's existing financial plan or a consideration in the future, I think the fact that rates have gone up fairly quickly in a fairly short period of time is something that we need to be aware of much more now than say just a couple of years ago when we were talking about debt use with our clients. Yeah, which what triggered it for me is, I don't, even though I recommend it, I don't currently have a HELOC on my house, a home equity line of credit. So somebody emailed me an offer to put one on and I looked up the rate and it was over 9%. And I said, uh, okay, well, I'm not doing that. So maybe we should start talking to people and remind them a little bit about how things have changed and what they need to do about it. Absolutely. And, and you started putting things into perspective by mentioning the, the current prime rate you know, at eight and a quarter. And when we were, you know, preparing to talk about this, I did a little looking back at rates from the last couple of years to make sure that we were going to put things into perspective correctly. And, you know, you had mentioned to me about that home equity line of credit rate. And I had actually been using a line of credit on my own home for a number of projects over the last few years. And, you know, like you, I've noticed how dramatic that rate increase has been. I think when I first started a few home projects to do some upgrades, it was 3%. And my current home equity line of credit is seven and three quarters. So if you thought about it, just a practical example, if someone else in a similar situation had a major renovation to a home, $100,000. You know, you were working on uh, a deck and a kitchen or a roof and windows or a garage, 
you know, a uh, hundred thousand, three percent interest, three thousand dollars a year, right? Three thousand dollars, totally manageable if your budget cost is a hundred grand. You jump that cost up to seven and three quarters, you know, that's almost four hundred more a month just in interest payments. So mm-hmm. that that's noticeable in, in anybody's budget. You know, four hundred a month is what you could be adding to a college savings plan. It could be what you do to increase your retirement savings. That that's you know, not not a small amount to look at. And if we take a bigger picture at kind of painting the perspective, the average 30-year mortgage rate from 2010 through 2020, so that, that whole time, if you took the average of each of those years and looked at the average of all those years, it was 4%. So that that whole time, if you took out any new 30-year mortgage from 2010 through 2020, chances are it's around 4%. If you look at 30-year mortgage rates today online going to a site like uh, Bankrate or any bank, they're 6.5%, 7%, sometimes more depending on the circumstances. And you can still get some adjustable rate mortgages below 6 but you know that that's a world of difference. You know, you're talking from you know four percent to six and a half percent on a seven hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You're talking over a thousand dollars more a month, and nearly four hundred thousand dollars more in interest if you kept the loan over those thirty years. So those are bigger numbers than what I was talking about with the line of credit. I think that helps put things into perspective where this might matter for some people. And certainly over time, if you look at the cost of compound interest, that that comes into play. You know, it's kind of that old saying, if you don't understand compound interest, you end up paying it. If you understand compound interest, you earn it. I I don't think that's exactly what we're dealing with, but it's certainly more relevant and uh, a, a lesson to be aware of today than it was even just a couple of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And so in preparing for today, you and I kind of sketched out a few new rules or new approaches for debt and want to make clear because of the examples that we started with, definitely not saying don't take out a mortgage to buy a house. You That that hasn't changed. A mortgage is still a good and great use of debt. Homeownership has its personal and financial advantages. But in the past, when as, just to, to continue this explanation before we get into more specifics, you know, if you had a, a low rate mortgage, two to three to four percent, and you were making extra payments on it to pay it off quicker, we would recommend uh, not to do that as long as you were comfortable with, uh, you know, a slower uh, debt pay down because you could earn more outside of, you know, that mortgage rate. But now at six or seven, the, 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 the calculus changes, and we're going to get into that. And maybe you do use some of those techniques to pay down the mortgage uh, quicker. So jumping ahead a little bit with that uh, explanation, but the first thing that we, we talked about when we were planning is approaching the low rate fixed debt that you already have. And this concept of you definitely want to make sure you retire with zero debt. If you had mortgages fixed rate loans that you took out before 2022 and they're low rate, two, three, four percent. You're of the mindset that 
you don't need to rush to pay those off and kind of quote unquote retire with no debt as some personal planners would advise you to do. Exactly. And I think this gets to that whenever there's a rule of thumb about something, especially when it comes to personal finance, as much as those can be useful to simplify concepts, the, the rules of thumb don't apply equally to, to every person in every situation. So if you have an existing mortgage or other fixed rate debt that you took out or refinanced when rates were exceptionally low, I don't think there's good impetus or motivation now to pay that off at any accelerated rate relative to what you could earn with that additional savings. You know, I, I could make more now in a FDIC insured deposit account than what my mortgage interest costs. And you know, I'm not anywhere near retirement. And I think there's a psychology around retiring without debt or paying off debt before retirement. And that psychology might still exist. But I think anyone who is approaching retirement or in retirement and has on their pre-retirement checklist an item regarding paying off debt, that's okay. But I think it needs to be revisited with the perspective of what is that debt costing you relative to what you might be able to earn with your investments and your savings. And I do not think today that there should be a strong driver to feel that you have to retire without debt. I think people going into retirement with low fixed loans should feel pretty good about how they're using leverage effectively. You know, especially if you think about the debt being on something that might be an appreciating asset versus a depreciating asset. So, you know, if I borrow money and I'm using it for a, a lifestyle expense or something that isn't increasing or holding its value, that's one thing. But if I borrow money and I use it for something that can retain value or appreciate in value, like real estate might be able to over the long term, then, uh, you know, all the more reason not to pay that off. Yeah. And you want to be taking a longer term view on that alternate source of return. And what I mean by that, you know, two, 2022 last year, stocks and bonds are down. 2023 this year, so far, stocks and bonds are up. You're not saying, well, it's a down market, so I might as well pay down the mortgage and you know, flipping the calculus this year. People sometimes overdo that. Over the long run or the, you know, over a stretch of years, do you expect whatever project investment to out-earn that low rate? Then if so, you you would uh, financially benefit from not accelerating those low rate mortgage payments. Uh, so jumping from that, from fixed rate to maybe where you were starting with your personal HELOC that, that jumped from three to, I think you said seven and, and a quarter or seven and three quarters, has your advice changed on how aggressively to pay off variable rate loans, given that even if you didn't take them out now, the rates have jumped and they are much higher than, than, the, than where they were a few years ago? Well, I still think you need to look at your individual situation and do that math of what's it costing me versus what might I earn on putting my capital someplace else versus paying it off. 
but certainly much more so now than a few years ago. There are more individuals that we are coming across as new clients or existing clients where reallocating some capital to pay down some high interest variable rate debt makes a lot more sense. Or it needs to be on the radar if those rate adjustments are on the horizon, right? So we could still have the circumstance where someone has an adjustable rate loan, but it hasn't adjusted yet. You know, when you get a typical ARM mortgage, you usually have five or seven or 10 years where it's fixed and then it adjusts. So if anything, it's those persons that might actually need to pay the most attention because if you've been in that fixed period for a number of years and you've gotten used to making the same payment, you could be in for a bit of a shock if you haven't taken a second look at what that rate might jump up to when the rate adjustment comes. And where do you see so, that, Ed? Is that like obvious on your statement? Do you have to log in? Like, you know, practically speaking, how do you know what the trajectory could be of, of that line you took out? Yeah, practically speaking, if I'm looking at a monthly mortgage statement from a client or a, or a new prospect we're working with, I typically will see a line item on the mortgage statement that says next adjustment date. It won't necessarily tell you what the rate would be if it stepped up today. And it might not even give you a, a range of what the highest rate could be, but it's giving you a warning of what that date is chances are you need to go back to your original mortgage documents to figure out based on today's rates, you know, what is the arm based off of? Is it off of Fed funds in a spread? Is it off of prime in a spread or some other factor? And, you know, those are the details that we can help our clients determine once we look at the documents with them. But a monthly mortgage statement should really tell you if you've got that adjustment date coming up sometime in the near future. And that's with the arms, but I'm sorry. Did you also address uh, uh, HELOCs and, and other variable rate loans that adjust much more uh, fluidly? You know, that's a really good question or comment to make too, because I think that's less obvious. You know, I've seen a lot of uh, home equity loan statements that are very simplistic and really just tell you the balance and what uh, equity you might have available if you haven't taken out the whole line and the current interest rate it's very possible that understanding how much that variable rate could increase based on the next time the Fed moves rates or what the max rate could be aren't there in black and white for someone to understand. And, and that's something that, you know, if you're projecting out a budget for the next year, if you're thinking about savings goals or a project or a one-time expense for your kid's college, if you haven't factored in higher payments based on the rate being higher and it's not something that you're aware of, you know, now's the time to take a second look at all those components to make sure that what you think might be affordable in the near future will still be within your plans if a few of those parts move. Great. And so jumping to taking out a mortgage now or this year and those higher rates that we were talking about with fixed rates mortgages, you know, at these rates, six, seven percent, uh, maybe five plus, if you took it out uh, a little bit ago, 
would you recommend or how would you recommend people to do the analysis on whether they should be making extra mortgage payments to get out from under those loans quicker? Yeah, again, I think this is one where we do a really good job of having those one-on-one -on -one conversations with our clients to weigh a few different factors. You know, it could be a matter of um, how long are you staying in the home? It could be were there other factors that impacted your rate when you got it? Uh, did you not put in as big a down payment? Was your credit score not as high as it could be? So is there a refinancing opportunity in the future, even if you're not grabbing a better rate because of where the market rates are, but because of something that personally impacted you? Um, are there you know, one-time items in your cash flow that you could use to pay down the debt or to refinance? You know, are you getting um, a lump sum payment for a bonus? Are you getting deferred compensation payouts? What does the cash flow look like? You know, that's why having a good financial plan that goes out over a number of years that incorporates different parts of your income, your expenses, your assets, helps you make these decisions without it just being in the vacuum of, I have a mortgage, here's the interest rate, what do I do? Right? You, you need all the other pieces to come into play. And I think those are all the things that, that we would look at with someone in, in terms of making that decision. Do you need to really get that debt down as soon as possible because it's really impacting your entire you know, debt service ratio and your, your credit score? and it's um, you know, a big weight on your shoulders? Or are there other things where your free cash flow might improve your income tax situation because you can make a extra retirement plan contribution that could grow, but also the contribution is tax deductible, so you get an immediate benefit right then and there. All right, there's all, all those factors, I think, have to come into play. It's not, like I said, these rules of thumb about high debt rate, low debt rate, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. I, I think because the environment's changed over the last couple of years, the way we've talked about, the rules of thumb are less applicable to everyone and having personalized advice is much more important. And what typically would somebody need you think about if you don't have a financial plan and you, you may consider it kind of a daunting task to put one together, what, what are the most necessary inputs for somebody to reach out to an advisor to build out a plan? Well, you know, a starting point, I think for us is, you know, always going to be helpful to look at a tax return. It doesn't necessarily tell us about a budget, but it can give us some insights into a lot of other items in someone's, you know, personal finances and if we get at a very granular, you know, technical level, which is the type of planning that, that we might do for someone and help explain to them, you know, we could be looking at something like, it, you know, is the mortgage interest even tax deductible? All right. So a tax return can tell us a lot, you know, having something like um, a sense of some of those one-time expenses. So even if you don't have a detailed budget, but you kind of know what your burn rate is, filling in the void with, is there anything more unusual, you know, on the, on the horizon that we need to account for? And then I think another factor, you know, we didn't talk about it yet is, you know, what's your income situation in terms of 
is it likely to stay the same, increase or decrease, right? Because if you have debt service and your income is rising because you're advancing in your career or you work for a company that is experiencing growth and passes that down to its employees, if that debt service stays the same and your income increases, you know, net net, you're in a better financial position than before. You know, the, the debt burden becomes less so because you have more take home pay. If your pay is staying the same or going down, then that debt service might be more burdensome because you're not going to have more free cash flow. You're not going to have more savings. You're not going to be able to make adjustments to your lifestyle to improve your lifestyle the way you want to. So kind of the, the trend line of what you think about the, the quality of your earnings potential, your income sources, I think is another one that could come into play, even if we didn't have a full financial plan. With rates being so much higher, um, is there a need for people to be careful about things like teaser or introductory rates, either with a home equity line or a credit card or some other personal loan that will later jump up to something you know much more unattractive? Well, I think there's always reason to pay attention to you know teaser teaser rate periods or hidden fees, um, things that uh, might be buried in the fine print. So always important, but right, the you know the obvious is that the opportunity cost is higher now, so the, those things matter more. It relates back to what we said about people who are in the fixed period of an adjustable rate mortgage. If you've gotten used to paying the same payment and you've sort of not forgotten that the rate could go up, but it's not immediately on the horizon, it's those type of things that you need to make part of your planning decisions so that you don't make any irrevocable decisions today that could end up you know, putting you in a, in a bad position tomorrow. So yeah, teaser rates, um, whether the quotes you're getting on rates are apples to apples from lender to lender, I think is something else where it's not necessarily a, a teaser rate or a rate that jumps up, but maybe the costs of getting the loan, the, the closing costs, the fees, the presumptions about a down payment, you know, not every lender presents identical information. So it, it's possible a lender could try to make something look more, more, more attractive when really it's something buried in, in the background. You know, the, those are harder to see, but if you have a advocate like your financial advisor or you're working with a mortgage broker who's, you know, really um, someone that you trust and has, you know, helped other people that you know, they might be able to help you navigate those things. Yeah. And this isn't necessarily a new rule, but I think it's more important now, given this environment, it is important to shop rates. Uh, rate isn't the only factor, obviously, when when choosing a lender, but there is variation with rates and with rates being higher, you should you should look at in, in more than one place. And I, I think the other thing, and, and tell me if, if, if you agree or if you have any additional thoughts on this, a lot of people uh, potentially may feel like they can refinance in the future to lower rates, which, which is true if rates go down. But we may have gotten out of an artificially low interest rate environment, an artificially low mortgage rate environment, particularly with the Fed buying mortgages and doing different things to, to keep those uh, loan rates down, that you shouldn't anchor to 2 3 
in your expectation of where you might be able to refinance to later if you're thinking about long-term housing affordability? I want to say yes, but I think there's a there's a lot in that that comment, you know, comment and question. Part of understanding that helps going back to kind of how we started talking about where we are with rates now and what historical rates have looked like. You know, I I made the comment that the average 30-year mortgage rate from 2010 to 2020 was 4% and with fairly little fluctuation year to year in that range. But even though that's a kind of quote unquote long period of time, it's not that long if we expand out time further. And certainly you can find plenty of longer periods of time in history where rates were much higher on average. For a variety of economic or, or policy reasons. So anyone that's been primarily invested where their career has been in the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years, I think is, like you said, anchored to what's been a fairly low rate environment for most of that time. But that doesn't mean that that's what the next 10 or 15 or 20 years will look like. So when we take a look at our long-term financial plans, you know, not the budget over the next 12 months, but you know, the next decade, two or three of retirement, of you know, the, the last 10 years of a working career before retirement, definitely the presumption that Sometime over that next decade or 15 years when, um, you know, the, the kids are in college or the kids finish school or when we downsize or when we move or when we, you know, get that vacation home. I, I think I'd have to err a little bit on, you know, the side of caution when projecting what borrowing rates might might be in the future for that or at least run more than one scenario, you know, one with kind of a normalized rate and maybe one with a, a little bit higher just to see what it looked like because you don't want to get stuck in a situation where you've, you've anchored to low rates and you ballpark uh you know five six seven percent um but it's nine you know and maybe it's not even that extreme but i, I think you're on to something that the low rate environment over such a long period of time really up until the last year, year and a half, has made a lot of us think differently about debt. And what we're talking about now, you and I, aren't necessarily like new rules for debt management. They're just rules that we haven't had to pay attention to for a long time because debt management as a topic wasn't even really something that rose to the top of what we needed to talk about because the cost of borrowing was was so low. And that's, and that's changed. And that's why we're talking. Yeah, absolutely. So not new, but a new environment or one we haven't seen in a while. So as you think about this, Ed, or do you have any other thoughts about debt or this topic that you want to share or wrap up with? I think what I said about um, income in relation to debt is, is important, especially for people who are 
maybe a little bit younger in the workforce or have a career that's developing. I think that's something to keep in perspective that if you have debt, but your income is increasing, that shouldn't give you the idea that uh, you don't have to worry about it and you can take on all the debt that you can because income will cover it. But it certainly could make you think um, differently compared to someone who has income that might be flat or declining. And I do think that what we talked about with, you know, your, your kind of debt strategy, debt usage is linked with other parts of your plan. You know, your, your debt strategy has to be linked with your accumulation strategy, or, or if you're in the latter part of life and, and retired, maybe a decumulation strategy. It, it all goes together. It has to be part of a financial planning process where your investments, your debt, your assets, your spending, your savings, and your goals all line up in a way that makes sense. A lot of the decisions we make about how to allocate our cash flow, whether to pay down debt or not, there's not necessarily a right or a wrong answer. Sometimes there is. Sometimes an interest rate is so low or so high that the clear answer is really just staring you in the face. But other times it's not. It's more nuanced. And it's those instances where just having a good conversation, weighing pros and cons, being aware of opportunity costs, there isn't necessarily the correct or incorrect way to do it, but there's the way that's going to work for you. And there's the way that's going to make sure that your goals are most aligned with what your next steps are. And I think if nothing else, achieving something like that is the best possible outcome when we're looking at how to incorporate debt management into your financial plan. Thanks, Ed, for that overview. Uh, we have a couple resources you can check out if you're interested in the topic. Uh, one is at our blog, heritagefinancial.net. That's a piece, Ed, that I know you were involved in. We did a piece, Sammy, called With Mortgage Rates and Other Rates Increasing is a Family Loan an Option. And that's looking at something that we've found a lot of opportunities with our clients where you can both you know, meet your own goals and help other family members with theirs. And I think that there's good input there on the prudent ways to do it, to make sure expectations are in line, some tax planning, some gift planning, but certainly relevant with what we talked about with mortgage rates where they are today. And for those of you looking for a framework for how to utilize debt and think about it that haven't checked out Beyond the Basics, the book I referenced earlier, there is a blog post using debt smartly on the bostonadvisor.com. That's basically an excerpt from that book about how to think of debt as an opportunity to grow your wealth. So Ed, thank you very much for your time today. And I do believe that this was a very informative and timely topic. And I know that our listeners always get great insight from you and the rest of the Heritage team. Thanks, Amy. How to Build Your Next Million, Heritage Financial's newly released ebook teaches investors about the tools and strategies that can help them save, keep, grow, and protect their assets. This free ebook can be accessed in this episode's show notes and on our website at heritagefinancial.net. Today is a great day to learn how to build your next million. 
Thank you for listening to Wealthy Behavior. If you found the conversation useful, please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode so those around you can live a rich life too. We appreciate your feedback and questions. Please email us at wealthybehavior@heritagefinancial.net. For more insights, subscribe to our weekly blog at heritagefinancial.net and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Check out my personal finance blog at thebostonadvisor.com. Wealthy Behavior is produced by Kristen Kastner and Michelle Kakamis. This educational podcast is brought to you by Heritage Financial Services, LLC, located in the greater Boston area. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast or that of the speaker are subject to change and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment or strategy discussed will be successful or will achieve any particular level of results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal.